Hey everyone and welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for joining us once again this week, wherever you are listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, one thing that's really important to me about doing this show is making sure we are talking to some of the up-and-coming stars of Australian swimming to give you guys, the listeners, a bit of a sneak peek into what the landscape of swimming in our country will look like in the next five years. Starting with this week's guest, one of Australia's fastest-rising stars, Lani Pallister. Now, it's also a great opportunity now for me to say to everyone, Happy Easter to all the listeners out there. Hope you all uh, are going to enjoy your indoor Easter egg hunts. I hope they go well. I can't imagine they'll take very long, but it should be a bit of fun nonetheless. And given that it's Easter and, uh, and it's a long weekend, here on Off The Blocks, we've decided to give out some Easter eggs of our own with the show doing some catch-up editions, which will drop over this weekend. Now, what is a catch-up edition, I hear you ask? Well, I thought it was a great opportunity to go back and get in touch with some of the superstars of the pool we had on the show back in Season 1 and check in to see how they're going, how their dry land programs are going at the moment, and how they're staying in touch with their coaches and their teammates. So some great insights, some great takeaway lessons for, from Australia's best swimmers and uh, how they're going to navigate their way through this crazy time. For now, though, it's time for Ep 6, so stop whatever game you're playing, find a quiet place to put your feet up, because our chat with Lani Pallister starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining us today on the show is one of Australian swimming's fastest rising stars. She is a second generation swimmer with her mum Janelle, a former Olympian with the Australian team. In her own right though, she has been a top age group swimmer for quite some time, making junior Australian teams, winning a number of Australian age championships and just this past year she became the fastest 17 year old female Australian athlete in the 1500 when she went 16.06.84, beating out a time of 16.10 that was set back in 1987 which just happened to be set by her mum uh, it's a very big warm welcome to off the block swimming podcast to Lani Pallister how are you mate I'm good thank you for having me not a trouble at all now mate I'm coming to you from uh, down here in Sydney in the studios where have we caught you today I'm currently in sunny Noosa which is super exciting on a swimming camp with Swimming Australia very nice, very nice. So who who have we got on that camp? Talk us through who, who have you got training with you up there? Yeah, so this is the um, women's 4 by 200 freestyle camp. So Ariane Titmus is here, Maddie Wilson, Jenna Forrester, who was on the junior team with me in 2018 and 2019. There is Carla Buchanan, um, Mickey Sheridan, Kia Melverton, and myself. I think that's wow. eight. Some big names. Does it get competitive? It must get competitive, surely. Yeah, it does. So a lot of this week has been head-to-head racing, obviously, um, considering the 4 by 200 freestyle is probably one of the most promising events for the women's Olympic team this – oh, well, the Olympic team this year, but for 
meddling prospects. But um, no, it's been a really good camp. We've all pushed each other and I think we've come a little bit closer together as a group as well. And I think that's definitely what you need going into a trials event, obviously, because you're racing against each other to try and make the team for that 4 by 2 relay as a heat summer or as a final summer. But you have a very quick turnaround to try and bond together and want to race as a team and do the best for your country, not just for yourself, like in the individual events. Now, mate, give us a little insight. So what was training like this morning? Um, yeah, so last night we actually got stormed out. So we had to cancel last night's max session. Yeah. Um, we replaced it with our gym session and a spin session, which was just as hard. So yeah. this morning we did a set and Dean Boxer called it no time to die. So you're in two teams of four and you do – it's all – so the relay bit is with fins and then yep. you do a 400 tour de France. So we go 450s in relay format mm -hmm. and it's just max with fins and then whichever team wins that segment then goes three seconds before your 400 tour de france pull so it's just a 400 max pull in single file yep. and the last person to touch the wall is the one that wins like overall so if your team has the first pe four people that touch the wall then you win so yep. Each set increases by 450s. Mm -hmm. So we went to 16. So we went 4, 8, 12, 1650s. So you end up doing 1, 2, 3, 450s max. So yeah. it is a pretty hard set. And Maddie Wilson's lactate got to 22 by the end of it. Wow. Um, yeah. At the end, <laughs> we had to do a 4 by one free relay. Yeah. And that was extremely hard with fins because fins obviously going to make your legs blow up a lot more. Mm -hmm. And someone like me who's a distance swimmer and isn't really... Um, that good at sprints, yeah, still building into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't kick, so the fins made it a lot harder for me to try and work. But some of the other girls, you can see how strong they are in their legs and how much work they have put into their kick. So you must have needed a big breakfast after that, mate. Yeah, we all went out for breakfast after, which was super cute. Um, yeah. It was pretty standard breakfast. Everyone was a little bit dead, so a lot of us just had eggs on toast, Coffee's obviously going to have to try and wake ourselves up a little bit because we still have a 6K recovery set tonight. Yep, just rolling over 6K. Uh, uh, now, for some of the listeners today, uh, this may be the first time they're introduced to you, Lani, so this is a good chance for us to get to know you a little bit more and uh, your journey so far. So let's go back to the start. What are your earliest memories of swimming as a youngster? Um... All I remember from when I was super young and still living in Sydney is my parents kind of just throwing me in the deep end and forcing me into swimming, obviously, because in a country like Australia, we're surrounded by water. There's going to be pools everywhere because of the climate. It is so hot. So um, I think a lot of the first memories I have was me learning how to swim so that I was going to be safe around the home and when I go out to public pools and that sort of thing. So mm. I was taught to swim at Carl's Park Pool where my mum trained. Yeah. Um and I have a couple of cute little photos of me screaming in the water because I hated it. <laughs> uh, were you a natural when you were younger? Um, I wasn't too bad. I was pretty good. Like I was able to float on my back oh, just by laying there. So I didn't really have to try too hard when I was a lot younger to try and just do whatever. But I wasn't really a super competitive swimmer until I was about 13 years old. So I didn't develop as early as some of the other girls that I used to race that sadly don't swim as much anymore. But um, I think my journey for me is 
been what I've needed in order to put myself in the place that I am mm. now, especially with my mum being my coach. Like she went through it all, would have had the same sort of upbringing considering she lived in Sydney. So mm. she wasn't anywhere near, the, like she wasn't close to the beach like me. Yeah. Um, but her, my grandma and pa put her and her sister into swimming and just for the safety reasons because they had a pool at the home where they grew up. Yeah. Mate, who were your heroes growing up? Which swimmers did you look up to? Um, so when I was younger, I was actually adamant that I was going to be a hundred butterflyer. Yeah. So I remember the first ever state medal that I got was in a hundred butterfly and I went a 109 maybe. Um, I think I was 13 and I ended up getting a postcard from Jessica Schiffer. Yeah. So that was super exciting for me. She's amazing and she's been super supportive with everything that I've done and especially in those young years where I was still wanting to be a butterfly. Yeah. But I remember sitting at home in 2012 watching the Olympics and Chris Wright was swimming his 100 butterfly and 200 butterfly and all the rest of it. And I was like, wow, like this is something I really want to do. And that's kind of where my Olympic dream started. Mm. And having that sort of experience when I was younger, coming from such a like swimming dominant family, considering my dad did the triathlons and Nutrigrain and all that sort of thing. So he was still quite a good swimmer as well. As well. And my mom was an Olympian. So I was kind of just immersed in this culture that swimming was going to end up being my life whether or not it was from surf life-saving perspective or from swimming so yeah that was kind of the start of it and when the olympics were announced that they were in tokyo this is a funny story my mum said that because when i was younger i was obsessed with everything japanese like that was my favorite subject at school the whole way through primary school and i'd always be like mom like when are you going to take me to japan yeah um and she said the only way that i was going to Japan is if I made the 2020 Olympics and that was almost eight years ago now. So looking back from 10 year old little Lani that mm. heard that the Olympics were in Tokyo in 2020 to now eight years on and having the Olympic trials in a couple months is super, super nerve wracking, but I'm also super excited for it because it's a childhood dream. Yeah. It would be exciting. It's come around pretty quick. Yeah. It's been insane. I obviously you go day to day and you don't really think about how fast time's going, but well, tomorrow is the end of February and that means Olympic trials are in four months. So mm. they're a week after my 18th birthday, which is super exciting for me as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of super mind boggling to think mm. about. Mate, did you play any other sports when you were growing up? I was thrown into everything. I used to do jujitsu. I did tennis, um, surf life-saving, obviously, swimming, um, netball, basketball. I was just put into whatever that was there so I never really knew that I was going to be a swimmer until I was 14 or 15 mm. and I think 15, 14 14 was when I made my first junior team because I turned 15 in 2017 that went to junior worlds in America yeah Mate, you, so mentioned, was, you mentioned surf life-saving there sorry um what what how did you go with that I mean I didn't do my research too well on on all the outside of things other than swimming yeah. talk to us about how you went in surf life-saving yeah, so I have quite a few memories from when I was younger from surf lifesaving as well, considering I live a 500-meter walk from the beach. Yeah. So we used to wake up every Saturday morning and Sunday to walk down to the beach and go and spend two hours at the beach, and that was non-negotiable with my parents. Like, we'd moved from New South Wales to Queensland so that we'd have that opportunity as children because that's something that my mum said she was super sad about when she was younger is that she had a half an hour drive to go to the beach or closer to an hour. So she mm. never really went very often. Um, but yeah, so I started surf life saving when I was six years old. 
and I'm still doing it now. So almost 12 years of surf lifesaving as well. Um, and I'm a world champion in the surf race. I've got numerous Australian medals and Australian titles from age groups and open events. Um, I've been on Australian, uh, Australian surf teams and I went to Germany last year for pool rescue. Mm. I went to world championships in 2018 with the junior Australian team that was in Adelaide. And unfortunately, we lost to New Zealand that year by two points under some pretty unfortunate circumstances with referee calls and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I've been super lucky with all of everything that I've had the opportunity opportunity to do and my parents putting me in both and letting me choose when I want to stop or whether I ever will stop. Mm. Um, I know I'm on a break from surf lifesaving now until about September because they have world championships in Italy this year. But I think that's always something that's going to be super close to heart for me. And I always see kids from surf lifesaving that are a lot younger than me and they come and ask me like, Oh, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? So it's nice to know that I'm still semi recognized in that community, but I'm also starting to become a little bit more, Um, present in the swimming community and being a little bit more recognized especially after 2018 and 19 where I medaled on junior teams um, internationally and all that sort of thing. But you mentioned you're still doing surf lifesaving now um, and you've been doing it for so long what do you enjoy you obviously enjoy it a lot what do you enjoy most about it? Um a lot of sport for me is I really enjoy being social yeah so I find it hard to try and socialize at training and I'm so with a lot of people here obviously because you get to the wall and you might have 10 seconds to try and talk to someone and it's not really a lot of time to get to know them mm. um so when i go away to go away to carnivals and all that i just tent hop so at surf carnivals i'll start at my alex tent who i've been with for 12 years so alexander headlands and then i'll move on to Rochidor, who i have some of my closest friends from and mm. then i'll move on to some of the gold coast clubs like north cliff crumbin mermaid and then, yeah, so a lot of the surf carnival isn't even me worrying about competing. It's me <laughs> worrying about, oh, my God, am I going to see all the people that I want to see at this carnival? Yeah. Mate, a lot of people, um, as they're coming through in junior ranks, uh, have a lot of bad habits. So one thing I like to do with you guys when I've got you on is just to go through a few bad habits that are quite yeah. common. Uh, and you t- sort of let me know whether you've done these or you haven't done these. So... <laughs> There's not that many, and usually I find most people have done at least one, or you know, not that they've done them, but they're co- the common offenders. So I'll go through it, and you just say yes or no. Okay. Right? So, first one is feet on the bottom during laps. Um, when I was younger, yes, I don't have that opportunity anymore. Yeah, not now. Not yeah. You know, I'm going back deeper. to when you're like 11, 10, 11. <laughs> um, going to the toilet mid set, but. Yeah, we all really know that you're just going for a rest. Um, no, because my mum never let me get out. So yep. my mum is my swimming coach still, and I'm still never allowed to get out during the middle of a main set. And that was drilled into me from a very young age. Very good. What about pulling on the lane rope in backstroke? I still do that. <laughs> um, so I don't – okay, I know a lot of people see it as a problem, but yep. because I don't swim medley or have any – sort of ties to backstroke or medley swimming. It's never really affected me. And I have quite a few gnarly calluses on my right hand. But <laughs> and I've been told since I was like 11 years old that I had to stop. And I'm being told at this camp by Drew McGregor and all that that I have to stop. But, yeah, well, yeah I'll, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll, make, I'll make sure they don't hear that part. Um, okay. <laughs> what about being last to get in the pool? No. So 
We depends. So with mum, I'm normally the first one because everyone just expects me to lead. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when I grew up, it was as soon as one person dives in, you're on your cycle and you have to be five seconds or 10 seconds behind. Like mm-hmm. you can't be being lapped or missing laps at the start of the set because you're setting yourself up for a bad set anyway. Yeah. No, I agree. Mate, we just talked about, um, obviously, the 100 fly when you were younger. What were some of your other favourite events in the pool growing up? So, obviously, now we're looking more at, you know, middle distance to distance. But when you were younger, was it always that way? Yeah. So, the first, obviously, I wanted to be a 100 butterflyer. Mm -hmm. And then I got thrown into a 200 butterfly. And when I was... 14 I think I went a 219 so that was the first time I was like wow like I'm actually good at butterfly (laughs) and then that same year that I won the 100 and 200 butterfly at Queensland States I accidentally made the 400 free final accidentally Um, yeah and I was like mom I'm pulling out she was like no you're not and I was like I'm not doing it I'm being a butterfly I'm pulling out yeah um she made me swim it there was a thunderstorm all the lights in the pool at Chandler went off and the only thing that stayed on was the scoreboard and I think I went a 440 there. So I've dropped almost 35 seconds in four years yep. in a 400 freestyle, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Mate, what about – talk to us about balancing school and training at an elite level. How, how do you do it? So a lot of the listeners that listen to this podcast are either parents um, of young swimmers or they're young swimmers themselves going through, you know, year seven to, to year 11, 12? Yeah. Uh, how do you try and balance all that? So I graduated last year with an OP4, which is a 93 equivalent ATAR. Yep. Um, I had an amazing support from my school. So at the end of year 11, or term three, when I was away at Junior Pan Packs, I struggled with majority of my exams because I was away for four weeks of a 10-week term. And that's when the school finally realized, like, oh my God, like we have to do something to help. So my chemistry teacher was the first person that kind of was like, do you need extra help? When are you away? Like started making me schedule everything. Mm. And he was kind of the first person to semi believe in my school abilities as well. I know a lot of teachers don't think that sport and academics mix, which is so wrong because now I'm studying a bachelor of biomedical science at USC and dreaming of being an anesthesiologist when I'm older, which is, a doctor basically yeah um and yeah so i yeah i think support's the main thing and if they have to convey to the teachers what they're doing when they're away and all that sort of thing it makes it so much easier i had a tutor for um chemistry and math b which is the middle one for everyone on the atar system (laughs) Um, and yeah she was amazing for me as well and she if my math teacher from school didn't sort of explain how to do it in a way that I'd understand she'd be able to explain it a different way so that I was able to finally realize how to use different formulas and apply different theories and all that sort so I had a lot of support from everyone my principals were super great they rearranged my timetable and rearranged my um exam schedule so that if I was away I'd have extra time or Mm. if I was away on an exam date they'd schedule it earlier or later and they'd look at atypical results so with my chemistry my first grade that counted was term four of year 11 and I think I got a C on that because I was super disappointed as I was away for three weeks before my exams yeah um and term three of year 12 I got another C because I was away at junior worlds and obviously didn't have 
really an opportunity to study while I was away. So they looked into getting atypical results for me. So my mark went from a low B and they changed my average. So I ended up on an A minus. So I don't know. They were just like kind of my rock at school because I all knew that they believed in me. And mm. if I was struggling with something, they'd all be able to kind of recognize that and help me with it. Man, a lot of swimmers now have a lot of big meets coming up, qualifying times they're trying to achieve, uh, trying to get national times, things like that. Were there anything, um, and I say as a junior level when you're still 17, but was there anything coming through that you struggled with, especially at your first set of nationals in terms of you know a big program through the week or nerves before the race? Yeah, so my first nationals, I was 12 and they were in Sydney. Um, I think I was racing 100 free, 100 fly, 200 fly, 400 free. And I think that was it. Maybe I just had one event per day. Well, the 100 free and the 200 fly were the same day. I remember that one. Um, and when I was 12, I wasn't really that competitive as a swimmer. Um, so I kind of just went through the process of it. I just kind of flowed through it and was like, oh, cool, this is swimming. Mm. Like, I didn't really think anything of it. Until I started getting older, where at nationals I'd swim 100 fly, 200 fly, 100, 200, 400, 800, 1500 freestyle. God damn. Freestyle. I just throw everything into it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, coming week. from a surf background as well, we would do like 16 events on one day, just back to back without warm down. Mm. So I think that really helped with my um, ability to be able to recover and just kind of get over. If I've had one bad race, I'll be like, oh, like I have another one. It's mm. fine. Um, and that sort of what my parents drilled into me when I was younger as well is even if something doesn't go your way, like you can't just let that affect your mood for the rest of the day. Yeah. Mate, do you have any pre-race witch rules? Um, I think I do now, not really in marshalling or that sort of thing, but when I step behind the block, I have to like press my goggles and then I swing my arms a little bit and then <laughs> I kneel on the left side of the block okay. and splash myself three times and rubbed out front of my suit yeah and then I do one more time down the back of my suit and then I stand up and I have to start on the left hand side of the block okay so that's sort of something that no one can really like distract me with because as soon as you're behind the block you're not thinking about anyone else yeah so how I did that start where did, where did you come marshalling. up with that? I don't know I remember seeing Tay McEwen and all that kind of splashing the front of their suit and I was like oh I wonder what that's for so yeah. I went and asked Suki Brownston um who is my speedo rep and has been super amazing for me um she picked me up and decided to sponsor me just before commonwealth games which was super super amazing mm. um and i asked her why i was like why do they splash the front of their suits and at this point mum would never buy me a suit so i didn't get my first suit until i was 14 i think mm -hmm. or 13 um yeah and she was like oh it's so it sticks the top down and like you don't get water in the suit and now it's kind of just like a habit in my head i'm like I don't want to dive in and have my suit fill up with water. Yeah, yeah. Um, when did you start transitioning into more of a middle distance and distance free solo? Um, so I had a Queensland prep meet at Chandler and mum had finally given me the opportunity to select my own events. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like I can just not do the Chandra fly because I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, anyway, so... I think the 100 freestyle and the eight, no, 100 butterfly and the 800 freestyle were right next to each other in the program. And I accidentally highlighted the 800 freestyle instead of the 100 butterfly. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, I get to this prep meet and I was like, Mom, I got the 100 butterfly. And she was like, No, you don't. And I was like, Yeah, I did. I highlighted it. Didn't you enter me in it? 
She was like, no, like, I thought you highlighted the 800 freestyle. And I was like, I started crying. I was like, I'm not doing it. And she was like, well, I paid the money for the entry fee, entry fee so you're doing it. Yeah. And I remember sitting with Chloe Gubecker, who is an Australian Dolphin now. She made the World Championships team for Open Water, which I was super excited for her because I've known her since I was like 10 years old as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember sitting with her in the marshalling room just inconsolably like crying i was sobbing and she was like it's not that bad like it'll go quickly and i was like chloe you don't get it i'm a hundred butterfly like i can't um and then that year i qualified for states and i went a 917 and then at states i went a 901 and i was 14 Mm. and then i got second at states and i qualified for nationals and i was like mom i'm not doing it again and she was like yeah you are I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I did it at Nationals and I got, I think I won it. So I won it that year at Nationals. Oh, no, sorry. Shani Robinson won that year. But the year after when I was 14, I won it, except I just missed the junior Australian team. Yeah. Um, and then I get a call when I was really sad, sitting in my apartment, eating my chicken nuggets from Swimming Australia, saying like, oh, you're on the team. Can you come back to the pool? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think too busy enjoying around, your chicken nuggets. Yeah, doesn't everyone? Chicken nuggets <laughs> is the best thing that I think ever happened well, to me. Well, they do make you feel better, I agree. 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, so it would have been that 13, 14 kind of age where I accidentally fell into distance swimming and then I just got forced into it from there. So when I turned 15 at Junior Wells in 2017, um, they were like, oh, there's a 1500 at Junior Wells. Do you want to do it? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, that's too far. And then mum was like, oh, no, it's another event. You can do it. So I was like, oh, my God, this is not okay. <laughs> um, so they made me swim a time trial on my own in Canberra. There's no one else in the pool with me. And, yeah, so that was kind of the first year that I really actually decided, okay, cool, if I'm going to Junior Wells for these events, then I guess I'm going to be a distance swimmer. And then the following year at Junior Pan Parks 2018, I won the 400, 800, and 1500 and got second in the 200 freestyle and did two relays in the 4x1 and 4x2, and I won those. Oh, no, we got second in both of those, sorry. Um, yeah, so that was kind of that age where I was like, oh, wow, guess I'm throwing Butterfly out the door and I'm being a freestyler now. <laughs> Mate, we've mentioned a few times now that your mum is your coach and she's been your coach, I think, pretty much since you started training. Talk yes. to us a little bit about the balance between coach and swimmer and mum and daughter. It's definitely hard. It's a very unique relationship that we have. And um, I think as we've grown up, I used to be a little, mind my language, but I was a little brat at training. Like I was the biggest little shit ever that you would have in a pool. Like I'd get kicked out for being rude to my mom. Like I'd roll my eyes or I'd talk back and she wouldn't deal with it. She'd be like, okay, get out. I don't want you. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with that and that would kind of, somewhat affect our relationship at home i don't know i just brush it off like i'm not the type of person to dwell on getting in trouble and all that sort of thing like i remember having arguments and we i'd end up crying on pool deck and someone else would have to drop me home because she wouldn't want me in the car with her which is funny (laughs) which is very funny now that i look back at it like i have videos mom has videos of me crying at home in my bedroom after being kicked out and she'd just stand at my door videoing me i was like (laughs) i don't think this is funny janelle (laughs) i'm sure she Um, was giggling yeah, she thought it was funny. Yeah. And now, as I've gotten older, I think it's a little bit harder, but it's also very rewarding. So we're both in the top 10 
Australian all time for the 1500 together. No one else has ever done that, which was super cool for both of us. So she's my coach. So she's coached me onto beating the times that she swam almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think if I go home, what I don't have is like someone to rant about. Cause like I guarantee all of your swimmers as well would go home and complain about the session to their parents. Whereas if I did that with my mom, she'd be like, get over it. Like I, I can't complain about her to her. Exactly. Um, and that's the only thing that I think I kind of miss as an athlete, but I get to go away and travel the world with my mom, which is super special. Like she's my coach and she gets to share all the results that I have as a mom and as a coach. And I think that's super special. And I don't think anyone else has had that except maybe George Bowl and Michael Bowl. Mate, mm. we mentioned beating your mum's records and, and I mentioned in the opener with that 1500, that obviously yeah. would have been something that you had in mind as a goal or was it just something that sort of started coming around and you're like, Oh, I'm not that far away. No, neither. Mom didn't even know she still had the record. <laughs> so we, when I was swimming at trials, I had like a really, really good first 400. And then I saw Maddie Goff and Kia Melberton catching me. And I was like, Oh shit, I've cooked myself. Yeah. Um, which was funny. I look back at it now and I was like, wow, I died. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I still saw a 1606 there, which was pretty cool. And then two months later, I went to Junior Worlds in summer 1558, wow. um, which was also like first time under the 16-minute mark, which is huge as a distance summer. Mm. Um, but yeah, we got out of the pool and I had friends sending me screenshots being like, oh, wow, like look at this news article. You beat your mum's record. And I asked mum and I was like, did you know you still have this? And she was like, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were both just as shocked as each other, I guess. You're 17 now. Do you feel like you're still an age group swimmer or do you feel now like you've progressed through into the open level with the older athletes? I think I, I feel like I'm stuck in between the middle. Like I'm, yeah, as you said, I'm 17. So I feel like I should still be in an age group event, mm. but that 17 age group is now at the open nationals, which is super weird for me to get my head around. Um, but I won't be attending them anyway. I'm going to Mission Viejo in, like which is a swim comp in California yep. with Michael Ball's group as that prep meet for um, 2020, which is super cool as well because I get to go away with the likes of Emma McKean and Tay McEwen, Georgia Ball and Tommy Fraser-Holmes, Mac Horton. So we'll all be over there rather than being in WA this year. But um, I don't know, I think I'm starting to see myself as an open swimmer a little bit more and more as I get further into this year. Like I'm ranked third in the – 400, 800, 1500 freestyle in Australia, and I'm only 0.1 behind Kia in the 400 and 800. So I'm super close to that Olympic selection kind of benchmark, but I know I'm not quite there yet, and yep. that's what training is kind of doing for me at the moment. Like I'm realizing, okay, I have to do this much more to make sure that I will make it. And yeah. Mate, stepping away from the pool now, what do you get up to when you're not going up and down the black line? <laughs> um i really appreciate shopping yep i have a problem with shopping <laughs> i have a problem <laughs> i have a problem i'll recognize that i have a problem yeah. but um no like shoes and active wear get me like i can walk into lululemon and be like oh i don't have this top I'll, i need this one <laughs> or like go into the nike store and look at shoes and be like oh they're slightly different to my other pair maybe i'll just get these two like it's so bad but i think that's something that distracts me because i'm like well if i'm working and I have to do all this stuff for myself. There's no point of just sitting in my bank account. Like, yeah. might as well send it. It's really bad. That's not the <laughs> mentality to have. Don't listen to that. <laughs> um, I also love watching CrossFit games. So 
I roomed with Michaela Ryan last year at Junior Worlds and she kind of put me onto the CrossFit Games and she was like, this is like the biggest G up you'll ever have before you compete. So we watched the 2017 CrossFit Games on Netflix and it's with Tia Claire Toomey and Cara Saunders are the two main girls that are fighting to win it. And obviously 2016, Tia got second and 2015, Tia got second. So it was super cool seeing her come from being runner-up two years in a row to winning by, like, two points. Mm. Um, so she put me onto that, and now I'm obsessed. Like, I bought Tia Claire Toomey's autobiography, How I Became the Fittest Woman on Earth, and I've read that, like, six times this year. Um, <laughs> I met her when I went to a function down in Sydney, and she's one of the most humble people I've ever met, and she's kind of an idol for me now as well, even though she isn't in my sport, but she's someone that I look up to and, like, realize what she's done for the sport of CrossFit and weightlifting and making a name for herself after coming from, she used to do self life-saving at Lullabar as well. So like going from one sport into another, like everything links back together and they all link back to one thing. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And you mentioned they're getting money to spend. What do you do for work? Um, I work at my surf club. So we have a little beachside kiosk right on the beach and I just, sit in there and make coffees and drinks and serve people all day. So that's a bit of fun as well because I'm giving back a little bit to the kids that are doing nippers on that Sunday morning when I'm working and I'm like, oh, my God, hi, how's nippers? <laughs> like, I remember being that young too. <laughs> How do you go on the coffee machine? Um, I can do the shots like with espresso, but I'm pretty average on the milk side of it. <laughs> um, so I – tend to not do that <laughs> is that your own assessment or have people told you that it's... no no that's my own assessment <laughs> i'll be trying to make a flat white and there'll be like an inch of frost sitting on top of the milk and i'm like well <laughs> that, that. Did, that didn't work <laughs> uh, mate so i was flicking through instagram the other day and i see a headline on uh, at aussie swimming news um, for anyone who wants to have a look for um, news in Australian swimming, it's a great page to have a look at. And I read uh, that swimmer dives into medicine, and we touched on it a little bit before, and it was about you uh, going into studying um, biomedical science at USC at the end, um, and your end goal, sorry, is, is to be a doctor. Um, yeah. Now, I've struggled even just to read the name of that course, let alone actually <laughs> becoming a doctor. So <laughs> talk to us about how wanting to become a doctor came about for you? Yeah, so when I was younger, um, I wanted to be a lawyer originally. Um, and my dad, who's a prosecutor, told me that I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, absolutely not. So I was yeah. like, okay, cool. I'll be a doctor. I was like, fine, I'll go into medicine. So I really enjoyed science and all that at school um, for me. But I remember going to English lessons and me thinking I'd done this absolutely amazing piece of work and the teacher being like, that's a C. And I'm like, everything's so open to interpretation. So I prefer subjects where I have, that's a definite yes and that's a no. Mm. So that's what science kind of gave to me. And I was super intrigued about like anatomy and how everything connects and all that. So I don't know, I kind of just looked at that and then I was looking at different things that doctors do. And I don't think I could be an orthopedic surgeon because I wouldn't be able to smash someone's hip with a hammer. <laughs> But that doesn't, like, gross me out. I just wouldn't be able to do it. So I was like, well, as an anaesthetist, you still have to stay in the room and monitor vitals and all that sort of thing. So you're doing the same kind of job, but you're just not physically breaking someone's hip. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know how to say that word properly, and I didn't want to sound, like, super dumb. So that's why I left it up to you to say, I left it nice. up to, you to say it because I'm like, no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> um, now we've discussed everything swimming. 
Um, and a lot of the listeners like to learn more about what you guys get up to outside of the pool in terms of, you know, books and, and movies and stuff like that. So I'm going to give you some really quick questions and then okay, you just cool. answer them as quick as you can, whatever first comes to your mind. So um, favorite music and artist? Um, oh, my God, I don't even know. I want to say rap, but that's like pre-race kind of music. Yeah. So like Cardi B, Kanye, all that sort of fun thing. I'm also really into TikTok at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you and everyone else, all my swimmers, they're supposed to be getting ready for training and they're um, doing yeah. a TikTok somewhere. And almost ran into a girl at Kmart the other day because she'd stopped in the middle of the aisle to do a TikTok. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, it was funny for, yeah, yeah, funny for you. I was trying to get through just to buy some clothes. Um, <laughs> books or movies? Movies. What's your favourite movie? CrossFit Games. <laughs> What's your favourite movie that isn't CrossFit Games? Oh, um, I don't really have one. No? Not really. I think just watching the CrossFit Games documentary six times this year sums up my Netflix life. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Mate, do you have a biggest fear? Spiders. spiders. Hate spiders. What do you hate about them? They're just gross. <laughs> like, when I was young, I was traumatised by them, like, they just appear in my room. One tried to attack me when it was sitting under my desk. And I was like, look, you guys just aren't going to work for me. <laughs> tried to attack you. Um, what's your favorite meal? Pa any sort of pasta, carbonara, bolognese, just like standard summer pasta. <laughs> carbonara, how good. Um, all right, these are a little bit more swimming related. So who's your biggest rival? Um... Aria, I have two. So Ariane Titmus and Kia Melderton. Yeah. And Maddie Goff. So four of us are super close. Ariane, obviously not so much. She beats me by like seven seconds over 400 metres and 800 metres. So that's super cool. Um, but definitely Kia Melderton, Ariane and Maddie Goff. And Kia, Maddie and I are all super close across all events from 400 to 1500. Who is the biggest pest in terms of your teammates? Oh, um... She doesn't pull some, so it's fine. Taylor Halliday. <laughs> she, like, I love love her to death. She's one of the best trainers there, but she's just, like, really good at annoying me. She'll do, like, little things that just, like, purposely – she doesn't do it purposely, but, like, they really get on my nerves, and I'm, like, get out of my lane. <laughs> yeah. What about your funniest teammate? Cooper Williams, who also does surf life-saving. So a lot of the people that I train with actually don't pull swim, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but Cooper is the only person in that squad that beats me in anything over a hundred meters. So he's one of the funniest people to just chat to about like literally anything. And he'll bully me the whole session about how much better he is than me. So that's great. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Um, follow your heart, I guess. I've always grown up with my parents supporting me. And them saying, like, look, whether or not you're going to be a pool swimmer or a surf athlete or if you're going to play tennis, not that that was ever going to happen, <laughs> um, we want you to do what makes you happy. So my parents have always drilled that into me. And whether or not people go into a race thinking about winning, I don't think that's the right sort of mindset to have because you're going to be disappointed either way. So I always go into races thinking enjoy yourself and have fun because there's no point doing a sport if you don't enjoy it. I 100% agree. Um if we redo this interview in two years' time, what accomplishments will I be adding to the intro about you? Um, 
Look, we'll think very optimistically. Hopefully, an Olympian. Yep. Um, in two years' time, there'll be world championships next year. So, hopefully, I would have been on a world championships team, junior uh, Pan Packs team, mm. a come off games team. So, I hope to be quite established in that senior team. Not obviously medal wise at the Olympics, but yeah. definitely improving a lot more and being able to keep up with the likes of Katie Ledecky and Ariane Timmis. I know I'm definitely putting myself on the right sort of pathway for that and dropping I've dropped almost seven seconds every year in my 800 freestyle so I know that's not going to be maintainable forever but I think that'd be super awesome to just be kind of established in the swimming world Mate, I think we'll wrap it up there Lani thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing some of your insights I, um, I hope people leave this interview with a very big admiration for you as an athlete and we'll definitely be remembering your name when trials time comes around. Um, good luck at trials later this year. Um, I'm sure you're going to kill it and do yourself very proud and we'll all be watching and cheering you on and hopefully we get to catch up with you for another chat somewhere down the track. Uh, mate, but until then, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Not a worry at all. Thanks a lot to Lani once again for coming on the show this week. Thoroughly enjoyed our chat, and I know hers is a name you'll be hearing a lot more from in the coming years, so make sure you don't forget it. This week's episode of Off The Block Swim Podcast is proudly powered by our sponsor, Pro Swim Workouts, as it will be each and every episode this season. Don't forget, our downloads are going up each and every week, so if you listen to the show and you'd like to get involved as a sponsor, just like Pro Swim Workouts have, be sure to get in contact with us through email at offtheblockswimmingpodcast at hotmail.com or message us through our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram at offtheblockswimmingpodcast. I hope you all enjoyed our show this week and stay tuned to Off The Blocks over the coming days as we drop some Easter eggs your way with catch-up episodes. And no, I don't mean it's a replay from season one. We are calling our past swimmers up, checking in on them throughout this corona time, uh, starting with New South Wales duo Brad Woodward and Matt Wilson, whose episode will be available for download this Easter Sunday. So happy Easter to everyone out there. And until next time... It's bye for now.